This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer. It really, it's me. I know it doesn't sound like me, but it really is me. And as we said earlier, when we were doing this a couple programs ago, the show must go on. And so we are continuing with our programs with me and my very squeaky voice. But I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And oh my gosh, we're going to have so much fun today talking with my guest. So please join me in welcoming Kate DeLeo to our program today. Welcome, Kate. How are you? Well, I'm great, Devin. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects. So this is going to be so much fun. But let me tell people a little bit more about you, and then we will dive into this. So Kate DeLeo is a brand architect, a number one international best-selling author, and the founder of the brand Trifecta, the top branding SAAS product that has helped thousands of organizations craft brands that bring more prospects to the table, more users who click, and more customers who buy. Kate's approach is rooted in the belief that brand is the path of least resistance to revenue. She teaches you to eliminate complex and ineffective storytelling by delivering a simple yet provocative message that tells prospects what you do, how you solve their problem, and how you differ from the competition. The outcome? Brand conversations that convert. So again, Kate, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk today about all things brand and business with you. I love it. Well, I always like hearing from my guests how they got to where they are today. So how is it that you discovered that you are the queen of brand? I have no idea. No, um, seriously, (laughs) I have no idea how I got here. You know, and it's funny, you say the queen of brand, and a friend of mine called me that. He says, you're the brand queen. I'm like, don't call me that. Don't give me a complex, like right? A dance, you know? you know, like a little ABBA, right? <laughs> no. Uh, no. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, so I, my journey actually started in a very odd way, and probably like many listeners here today, it, I've had a very zigzag path. So it was okay. never something that I said, oh, coming into college, coming out of college, I'm going to do branding or marketing for a living. That I actually fell into marketing and branding. Okay. And it was because of the fact that actually, we rewind at the beginning of this. Um, I always share the story, but back in around the time that the market was crashing, so 2007, mm-hmm. 2008, 
I was about to finish my undergrad work and begin graduate, postgraduate studies with a focus on linguistic anthropology, which is the study of how, you know, language shapes culture and how culture shapes language. So I wanted to have a PhD and be professor. That Mm -hmm. was really my goal. Um, And at the time, you know, market started to crash and I had a professor that looked at me and he said, listen, we love you. Y'all need to pay your bills. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, you know, I love that you want to do this, but this is such a narrow field. There's not going to be that many positions open. Mm -hmm. We don't even know if there's going to be a lot of positions open in the next, you know, 10 years. It's probably worth it for you to leave academia for a little bit, go get a day job, pay off your debt, come back. And so that's actually what I did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was hilarious because my Italian father was like, yeah, you need to get a job and leave my house. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to yes. leave. Shoo, shoo, shoo. Yeah, bye-bye, mm-hmm. bye-bye. Mm-hmm. So I took a sales job and this is where it kind of began is I took a sales job, um, cold calling IT professionals mm-hmm. to sell them $2,500 training classes. Ooh, cold calling? Cold calling. Yikes. And I'd never done this in my life. And they, you know, typical, like at the time they were laying off marketing right and left. So the mm-hmm. only job that you could really get was a sales job. Right. So I was like, well, here we go. I might as well try this. So they put you through two weeks of boot camp and uh, training, give you scripts. And then they kind of throw you to the wolves and they say, okay, have fun. Here's your scripts. Here's a list of about 10,000 contacts. And, um, you know, we'll subscribe your database to, you know, a drip marketing campaign that we built and good luck. So Deb, I get in there. And I promise the story has a point. So I get in there and I'm starting to smile and dial 40 dials a day and nothing's working. Like the scripts that they're giving me are not working. They're not breaking through. And I'm going, well, this is ridiculous. I'm going to be out of a job before I actually get my first paycheck. Right. So what do I do? So being a bit tenacious, I decided, well, okay, first of all, I have nothing to lose if I'm on my way out. I've got to figure out a different way to get this done. Mm -hmm. So I ended up taking a step back and I decided, okay, hang on a second. I'm making these calls to these business owners and to these mark and to these IT leaders. If I were on the other end of this call, what in God's name would I want to hear and to be remotely compelled to stay in this conversation? And so I decided to test that a theory that I've now spent more than a decade proving out. Mm-hmm. And it was really a brand pitch. Now, I didn't even know it was a brand pitch at the time. Right. But basically what I did is I was just young and I had no clue what I was doing. I called these people up and I said, hi, my name is Kate DeLeo. I'm with such and such company. This is what we do. This is how we can solve your problem. And this is how we're different. One, two, three. And then I'd shut up. Right. And they were either interested or not. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? There was traction. So here's what mm-hmm. happened. Busy IT people do not want to be called. Like worst, d- dumbest job you can take is to call an IT person, right. by the way, mm-hmm. and sell to them. That That is the worst audience. So I take this job. And and in that, as soon as I told them those three things and I shut up, they said, hey, I'm in the middle of something. Can you call me back? Right. And hey, meant can to- you send me an email? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not ready right now. Call me in six months. Mm-hmm. I began to actually get traction and it turned out that I did so well that I ran a $1.2 million a year, you know, quota. And I was over hundred percent of quota. So think of the number of $2,000 classes you have to sell to Mm -hmm. get to that. Mm -hmm. So actually that was the beginning. And then I got recruited out from there to write scripting Mm -hmm. for the rest of the team. Right. Then I got recruited into a marketing agency to build brands. Then I worked in corporate and I was having a family and having kids. And then finally, you know, I had this as a side hustle. For many right. years, I was kind of a side hustler, mm-hmm. and then finally, about almost five years ago, I took this side hustle of mine full time, and I've now worked with about three hundred companies globally to wow. help them go through this brand pitch mm-hmm. program. I love it. I love it. You know, and 
everybody's story is very similar. You know, they started out one thing and, and, you know, and then went, well, how can we completely, yeah. You know, how can we do something better? Um, you know, and, and it's always so interesting to, to hear people's stories because they are, they're very interesting. And I think more than anything, everybody relates to it. You know, we've all had those jobs where we went, this ain't working. You know, and, and, and what many people do is they leave. I mean, you know, that's, but, but you took it and made it into a positive. And I love that. Um, and you discovered your passion. I mean, that really mm-hmm. is the, the cool part of this. You know, so I, I find it so interesting because you, you know, and I mentioned it in your bio that we're not really talking about storytelling and you talk about it in your book. Um, it's called muting the microphone. Stop. Muting the megaphone. 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 I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Sorry. Megaphone. <laughs> even bigger, bigger. Yes. Muting the megaphone. Stop telling stories and start having conversations. And I've had quite a few guests on where we have talked about the importance of telling your story. Getting people in, you know, you tell your story in a way that people go, hey, that's me, you know, and, and all of those various things. And you're saying, stop that. So let's let's talk a little bit more about that, because I found this absolutely fascinating. Again, muting the megaphone, um, because you talk about that in your book is why we've got to stop just telling be- these pretty stories. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And, and you know, I remember when I first came out with the book, um, you know, uh, the the look on people's face is like, oh, how dare you? Storytelling, mm-hmm. how you can't attack. Listen, I love story. Right. The problem is, is that we're using story in the wrong way. So what do okay. I mean by that? Okay, so you meet somebody. Mm-hmm. And let's say you go to a networking event. Deb. Mm-hmm. When you first meet somebody, you shake hands like, oh, Deb, it's so nice to meet you. And they ask you what you do. Right. Do you go into this long, complex story? No, not usually. No, have you ever done that and seen their eyes glaze over? The right. Person? right. Yeah, they're like, like, I see Uh-oh. someone I know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so story is great, but the problem is is we've really convol- made that convoluted as as marketers and leaders because what we've recognized what we didn't realize is that even though stories are important, mm-hmm. they are not supposed to be in that first 15 to 30 seconds right. when you first introduce it to somebody. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're not what you lead with in a brand pitch. When somebody mm-hmm. hits the homepage of your website, when somebody sees your ad, when somebody mm-hmm. first meets you, your brand is really the thing that opens the door there and right. gets somebody to the point where they're ready to mm-hmm. hear more about your features, benefits, products, services, stories, etc. And so the whole thesis of my book is that we've got to move away from complex storytelling for a second and actually get down to a formulaic message that mm-hmm. really gets to the heart of what your customers actually want to know right. as quickly as possible. And if you do that with your brand, that actually then creates room, then you can have that meaningful dialogue. That right. you can, and then you, you can, can have, have those little stories that say, yeah, you can have worked a- with people, you know, Betty Sue had this problem. Exactly. Testimonials, case mm-hmm. studies, blogs, mm-hmm. white papers. Those are those have story in them. Mm-hmm. How about a founder story video? Absolutely. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater right. here. Okay. Stories have place and content. But the problem is, is we've made it all about us. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, Deb, a story is really a one-way monologue. Right. You have one person talking and one mm-hmm. person listening. Mm-hmm. So my question is, if you come out of the gate leading with story, how exactly does that engage? Mm-hmm your customers and your prospects and create room for them to actually Mm -hmm. connect with you. Right. Well, and so many people aren't even thinking about how they're doing the story. No. I mean, you know, if you, if a good story would have you, the the hero, right. Or Mm -hmm. actually the hero would be the person you're talking to. Customer. That's right. 
And and you are the white knight, maybe, who goes yes. in. And you know, and, and so they have their pain, they have their whatever. But you're right, so many times, and I and I made that mistake when I was introducing this. We think we're the hero. We are yes. here to solve your problem. Or, you know, I, I like to think of it now as in, you know, how can we bring you pleasure? Because yeah. that's also a big part of this, you know, and, and so, you know, it, it's, it, we, we focus on making it about ourselves, how yes. we can do this, how we can do that, yada, 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 yada. As, as a friend of mine says, we, 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 we all over ourselves. Yes. Um, and, you know, and, and so, you know, it's, and, and we totally forget that we're talking to a person that's right. who has specific needs. That's right. It's it really about when we talk about creating a brand conversation instead, mm-hmm. right? Which is what I teach is, you know, a brand conversation comes when you deliver each piece of your messaging. Mm-hmm. So very systematically in a very systematic order, we can mm-hmm. unpack that what that is. Mm-hmm. But when it when it creates a natural curiosity in the other person mm-hmm. that every piece that they hear right. or, or see gets them to actually go, interesting. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Hang on a second. Tell mm-hmm. me more. Really? Are you like this or this? And there begins to have a back and forth. And you know, you've gone to websites that are like that because mm-hmm. you keep scrolling. You're like, whoa, right. mm-hmm. I'm so compelled. Mm-hmm. It's not about slimy sales. Great brands create conversations mm-hmm. by creating provocation. This mm-hmm. idea that you're getting that person on the other end to naturally dig in mm-hmm. and understand what's in it for right. me. And to do it in a way that, yes, you're talking about yourself, obviously, but you're doing it in a way that it's speaking to what they need right. more than anything. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and in your book, you talk about one of the things we absolutely need to figure out. And we talk about this all the time is who the heck it is you're trying to reach. Oh my gosh, you know, yes. and, and, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure you hear this. I hear this all the time. So Kate, tell me who your audience is. And you look at me and you smile sweetly and you say, everyone, no, you know, there is absolutely no company in the world who everyone is their market. Doesn't matter what they've got because there are things like price differentiators, you know, all sorts of different things that start getting you down into these niches. Yes. And so many people are like, oh, well, but I can't eliminate people. I might be, you know, so I think that we have FOMO. We we have FOMO and we also have a little bit, if you're missing out, we have a bit of this understanding of like, oh my God, but if I don't, per, you know, um, mm-hmm. sell to everybody, then I'm leaving money on the table and right. I'm never going to grow. But the reality is, is that as, as companies, and I say this all the time, you are not in the business of convincing. Right. You are in the business of converting. Mm-hmm. It is right. not your job to try to convince anybody and everybody mm-hmm. to buy from you. It's mm-hmm. your job to convert the ones who have the highest probability mm-hmm. are most aligned with your right. brand and who have the deepest need that you can mm-hmm. solve, which means you actually have the power to niche in. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, actually create a path for revenue growth right. for your organization. Right. Well, and convincing takes time and money and you are wasting it on a lot of different people, resources, all sorts of things. And so that's why you want to head straight to the converting part. You know, right. we like these people, they're already interested or they should be. I mean, you know, that's part of that that process. But yeah, why are we and and you know, we we do. We spend so much time trying to convince people, "Hey, you need to at least pay attention to me. And it, it, it is, it's a total waste. It is a total waste. And I think that we are craving a simplicity of marketing lately. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel like this, but, and listen, I'm a marketer. And um, what I know to be true is that many of us are finding that there's just so much noise out there and we're, mm-hmm. oh, there's 75 million tactics I'm supposed to do. I got on a call yesterday 
And I had uh, a friend of mine ask me, she's like, Kate, do I need to have a podcast? And I said, no, who told you you needed to have a podcast? And she goes, well, but it's like the latest thing. And there's all these trends. I'm like, stop, 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 Squirrel, squirrel. Stop. Mm -hmm. Let's just stop for a second, right? Mm -hmm. So like really good brands, what's interesting is as they scale, yes, they may add more tactics into like Mm -hmm. their toolkit, okay? But the reality is for most of us in small to mid-sized organizations, what we're talking about here is the one or two, maybe three levers you're pulling, right? not the 15 levers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important piece to give ourselves permission here and recognizing that we only need to choose the places where our ideal target audiences even right. show up. Mm-hmm. That's all we care about. Right. You know, if, if your audience isn't on Facebook, why are you putting money and time right. and energy into Facebook? I know. I do not have a TikTok account. I'm no. on Instagram, but I'm not sure I can log in because I don't remember that, you know, and threads. Mm, okay. Well, mm, you know, and, and, you know, all these very, and we'll, we'll talk about that, that thing now that we're not even sure what to call it a little bit later. Is it on. X? Is it Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. What is that? yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and part of that is because I am the kid with bright, shiny objects. Yeah. You know, I can go down those rabbit holes and stay forever. So I have to absolutely focus on where I'm spending my time to reach the people I need to reach. Yes, that's right. You know, it's interesting. I actually did a, a, a test in my business. So when I, about two years ago, and this is so interesting. So right around COVID times, I ended up testing this out for my company. So I decided, listen, let me just spend a year posting the same content on every platform. Mm-hmm. And I want to see where I get traction. Right. Because everyone was like, you should be on Twitter. So I was on Twitter, I was on Facebook, I was on Instagram, and I was on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was on the big four at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm posting everywhere and I'm doing all the stuff. And I was blending between, you know, visual posts versus copy mm-hmm. versus personal stories versus this. Like I, I was trying to really right. maximize like different types of content, seeing what's mm-hmm. working, videos. Okay. So I get out there and I do all this. Where do you think my audience was? For you, LinkedIn. Same. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit on Instagram, a little mm-hmm. bit on Instagram. So I'm not on Facebook. In fact, I have a page out there that yes. says, please follow me on LinkedIn. And, you know, that's it. That's where mm-hmm. I'm at. Right. I do have a, an Instagram account now because um, with my new product that's coming out, which is a SaaS product. So it's like a technology mm-hmm. product. We tend to have more following on right. that. That's where your audience is. But I recognized, I was like, why am I spending energy posting mm-hmm. on these places right. where uh, nobody's actually going to engage mm-hmm. with me in a meaningful conversation right. about their business? Who cares? Right. Right. Now, obviously, you can still be there, but you need to be there knowing, okay, I'm here for personal. Exactly. You know, and, and so, I mean, that's that's the important thing. But yeah, it's and and figuring that out is absolutely critical. Um, it is. You know, and, and, and I love in your book, you talk about, you know, figuring out your voice, your persona. Yeah. And I really love that you talk about, you know, if if it were a personality, a real live person, mm-hmm. who would embody your brand? Um, yes. you know, and so talk a little bit more about that because I, I just love this concept. It's the, my favorite part of every brand project that I've ever done is I look at them and I go, okay, so if your brand were a person, who would it be? Mm-hmm. And so the goal here is to not just list out a bunch of characteristics like, well, we're kind and we're funny yes. and we're nice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, give me a celebrity or public figure. Right. How do they sound? How do they talk? So for mm-hmm. example, if you're an Oprah brand, we all know how Oprah talks. Right. You get a school, you get a school. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds, he has this very mm-hmm. self-deprecating mm-hmm. humor. It's a bit mm-hmm. drier. Right. Um, Kevin Hart, the comedian, very mm-hmm. bright, 
boisterous, mm-hmm. short, boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And you can think about if you were to close your eyes, you could very easily pick up on the way these people talk. Right. And what we're trying to help you understand is that by cueing in on a tone of voice, mm-hmm. what that actually does is it impacts the language structure. It impacts the rhythm, the intonation, right. how mm-hmm. long of sentences you use. Do you mm-hmm. use exclamation points? What that actually creates is a brand that sounds like you mm-hmm. and seems like you. And so whether it's written on a website or you're saying it, everybody in your company is like, oh my God, that's so us. It's exactly mm-hmm. how we talk right. about ourselves. It's exactly how I mm-hmm. get along with our customers. And you've got to know that too, Deb, because the principle is that like attracts like. Right. So if you're not authentically being you, like say you have a boisterous brand and you're mm-hmm. disruptive and you're just boom, you're out there and you mm-hmm. write all corporate green, blue, mumbo jumbo on your right. website and you sound like a financial company mm-hmm. People and you're are not like, a financial company, they're going right. to be like, uh, disconnect. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you it's going to hurt your company mm-hmm. in terms of people resonating with your message. Right. You know, and, and we see that happen all the time where, you know, you see maybe their, their Facebook posts or their, their tweets. Yeah. We're going to continue calling them tweets. Um, and, you know, all of these various things. And then you do, you go to their website and it is so different. That's right. That you're like, I must be in the wrong place. You know, and, and, and then it's like, okay, I'm not even going to bother. I mean, that's the, no. the key is people are like, even if they were very interested, they're like, well, I must be in the wrong place. Boom. I'm off to something else. It's just it. And, you know, so knowing who your audience is and also knowing yourself are two of the most important pieces mm-hmm. that you have to tackle in order to then write a message that's 100% authentic and is mm-hmm. going to deeply resonate. Right. It's hard, though. I think sometimes for, for a lot of us, we, we're taught, yeah, but Kate, everybody's unique, so I need to mm-hmm. kind of flex myself in the conversation. Now, hear me out on this for a second, because I actually have studied communications <laughs> best practices, and I've done DISC and all the assessments, and I love them, and I'm a huge believer in showing up where that mm-hmm. other person is right. and meeting them where they are. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about that, okay? But I am talking about recognizing that you can't be everything for everybody. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, for my company, I tend to work with very driven founders mm-hmm. um, or business leaders who are pretty direct. They're pretty mm-hmm. outspoken. They right. they tend to love the fact that they they say, oh, it's really refreshing, mm-hmm. Kate, that, that you're also like that. Right. Now, I might not be everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Right. In fact, I live in Minnesota, the land of passive aggressive. And mm-hmm. I love Minnesota, but I'm Italian and I'm an East Coaster. And oh I think I'm like a sore thumb here. Mm-hmm. Okay, my friend. So like, mm-hmm. I don't exactly have a ton of Minnesota businesses. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Culturally resonate with me. Are right. we okay with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember years ago, I was talking with this young woman, PR person, and she wanted to be on the podcast. And and so I looked, you know, looked at her social media, all sorts of things. Now, this young woman, shall we say, swore like a sailor. And, you know, iTunes doesn't like that. Podcasts don't like that. I mean, you cannot do that. And so I went back to her and I said, okay, you've got a great message. Yes. But, and she said, I can't not do that. She said, that is me. That is who I am. And so then we, we started talking about it a little bit more because I found it fascinating. And she said, more importantly, I work with the very edgy companies, you know, and, and she said, you know, uh, so she focused a lot on, uh, at that point, it would have been like uh, two late bikes, you know, a lot of outdoor type of, of uh, risk-taking yes. type of things. Yes. And, and, you know, and, and, and it really was her, I mean, you know, yeah. she wasn't putting on this persona of, oh my gosh, I have to swear a lot today. It was, that was just her. 
But and it probably worked with her audiences, did. though, I bet, Deb. Yeah. I mean, honestly. And if she'd gone in all it. buttoned up in her suit, they would have ignored her, right? No. I mean, actually, it's interesting. So I work with a lot of venture-backed companies, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very fascinating. So in, in my space where I work with all types of companies, small to mid-size, mm-hmm. um, and that's neither here nor there. But I do have a lot of companies because I mentor startups. So mm-hmm. because I'm teaching through different accelerator programs mm-hmm. to specifically help these startups grow, I'm in this space that kind of hinges between what we call startup mode. And you know the facts out there that God, less than like 20% of these startups are even women owned right. or, or minor, you know, mm-hmm. owned by mm-hmm. an, a BIPOC or anything like mm-hmm. that. Right. So we're kind of, we have a seriously, a lot of, still a lot of white men mm-hmm. <laughs> running these startups, right. unfortunately. Okay. So here I am, I come into this space where it's all men predominantly mm-hmm. and they're all tech and they're all just like, okay, do, 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 do. And it's mm-hmm. all about money and growth. Mm-hmm. And here I am and I show up. And if mm-hmm. I had shown up, not being myself, by the way, let's talk about about brand mm-hmm. and colors. Yes. And they would have been like, uh-huh. Yeah. And instead I show Next. them, like, let's talk about your brand as the mm-hmm. path of least resistance to mm-hmm. revenue. Mm-hmm. And, and then like, like revenue. Interesting. Revenue. I will talk with this woman. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's re- mm-hmm. being true to who you are. Right. Our brands are really our the promise that we put into the world about mm-hmm. the value that we can deliver to our audiences mm-hmm. and the connection that we can make to them. Right. So if you're not anybody but yourself, it's not mm-hmm. going to work. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the biggest buzzwords that, that we hear is authentic. And, you know, we know when somebody's not. I mean, let's go back to celebrities. You know, when when we have somebody, say Sandra Bullock, who has done rom-coms and, and you know, things like that forever. And then you put her into a series role. And every once in a while it works, but she still kind of pokes fun, um, you know, and, and things like that. But But if you take a celebrity... Or maybe a sports person who is known yes. for doing this certain thing. And then you have them do something totally different. Now, sometimes there is the intrigue factor. Can they do it? Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you're like, no, no, fish out of water. They're not supposed to be yeah. here. Change the channel. 100%. And that's one of the first principles is know who you are. Mm-hmm. Know your audience deeply. Mm-hmm. And, and if you get those two things down, then you're able to actually write your message. Right. And it's going to be a message that's authentic to you, but it's going to really resonate at that mm-hmm. heart level mm-hmm. with your audience. Right. And that's the most important thing. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, we have our brain, which, you know, is put, but you make those decisions based on your heart. You know, do I yeah. like that person? It's the no like trust. It you is. Know. It's the, oh my God, you get me. Mm-hmm. We say in Minnesota, we say this thing like, oh my God, you read my mail, meaning like you totally know my seat. Like, right. How did you mm-hmm. know that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's so silly that we say that here. Mm-hmm. But I think what's funny is it's really about your message getting to somebody sees that or, or reads that and they're mm-hmm. just like, thank you. Yes, mm-hmm. this is exactly right. what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And you, they get excited about it mm-hmm. because they're like, that is so refreshing. Right. Thank you. Right. Oh my God, these people understand. Yeah. You know, and the other important thing is, you're weeding out those that wouldn't be a good fit. Yes. Let them go. Mm-hmm. Refer you know, them to someone else who would be a better fit. You know, there's an interesting principle that I teach. It's called, um, you know, there's like, if you were to think about your ideal buyer, and let's mm-hmm. say you make a list, and I teach this in my book about making a list. Oh, yes. Of you've got lots of great criteria. exercises in your book. Yeah. I love oh, it. it's super. Pr- I try to make it as practical as possible mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. people. Like, good Lord, you don't need a 300 page book about this. Just like mm-hmm. go into like your actual mm-hmm. app. Mm-hmm. So let's say you make a list of 10, 20, 30 characteristics of what define your ideal buyer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're on a call with a, a prospect, let's say. 
and you're talking to them and you're starting to notice like, check, they've got that, they've got that, they've got mm-hmm. that. Love it, love it, love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the principle is understanding that if, if somebody has about 75% of the picture you've painted of kind of ideals, right. you nobody's going to be a hundred. Stop looking for that. No, never. But if they have like 75%, mm-hmm. congratulations, you have a highly qualified prospect. Right. Mm-hmm. If they have about 60-ish percent timing, maybe. budget, maybe, mm-hmm. you could follow up with them kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. If it's 50% or less, mm-hmm. let them go. Right. And I actually mean that so sincerely. I don't even mm-hmm. track people in my CRM if I've gotten on a call with them. And they're mm-hmm. and I really, both of us realize, like, it's not quite a fit. Right. Well, why would I bother them? Mm-hmm. Why would I ever bother right. them again? Yeah. Find me. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not crazy. Mm-hmm. Am I willing to follow up with the ones that are 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 on that fence line? And I'm like, oh, I'd love to work with them when the time is mm-hmm. right. Well, of course, I'm going to follow right. up with them. Mm-hmm. But I think it's about understanding that you have standing that you have to say no to the good in order mm-hmm. to say yes to the great. Yes, mm-hmm. the time and money that you're spending going mm-hmm. after the wrong people really mm-hmm. impact how you're maximizing your marketing budget, mm-hmm. your sales efforts. Right. We we only have so much time and energy, mm-hmm. and if we're going after people that are somewhat okay mm-hmm. and we're not going after the few that are really good mm-hmm. we're not going to have closed deals i can right. tell you that right you know and it's tricky especially when you're first starting out i mean sometimes you do have to take those needs because you got bills to pay right but the as soon as you possibly can get yeah. it down to this is who i work with you know, and, and, you know, we, we, we know the thing about have your why statement, you know, all of those various things. And you'll figure that out. And like we said, politely tell the other people now, you know, they, they might still say, okay, I'm going to read your book. I'm going to look at your blog, things like that. So they can still get information from you, but you can say, you know, I know this other firm that would be absolutely fabulous for you to work with. Let me make an introduction because then everybody's happy. Oh yeah. It's funny because, um, I've really spent so much time trying to build, like, if you go to my website, Mm -hmm. I have a whole partners page on there and there's tons Mm -hmm. of other copywriters and marketers on there. Mm -hmm. Well, why do I do that? Well, because certainly whether it's my own client or a Mm -hmm. friend or a partner or a prospect or somebody I meet in the zoom room, I'm not going to be a fit for everybody, but if I can add value by just Mm -hmm. pointing people to other great people Mm -hmm. that might be better fits for them, well, that's fantastic. And I think eventually that comes back around to you, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? When you do good, you're Mm going to get good. And I, I, you know, I always have this principle that I never take referral fees. So if I refer somebody Mm -hmm. to somebody on my partner's page or a friend and they Mm -hmm. go make a million dollars, God bless them. That's fantastic. I'm not going to take some of your hard earned money. Mm -hmm. No way. How, if they happen to send somebody to me eventually and I'm able to work with them, I'm, I'm tickled. I'm Mm -hmm. so excited, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's, um, I think it's about recognizing that you don't have to serve everybody. And Mm -hmm. eventually some of the ways that you can start to grow your brand in the right way Mm -hmm. to serve additional audiences is also through adding new products or services Mm -hmm. too. I'll give you an example. So for me, I always was just a consultant. Mm -hmm. Now, to your point, not everybody can afford to have me in the room. Not alone, maybe they they want me. Maybe they want Mm -hmm. to do it on their own. So maybe they'll pick up a book. Mm -hmm. Great. Not a problem. Then there's this gap I started to notice where I was like, well, not everybody can afford to have me in the room or do they want it, but they also need more than just a book. How do I bridge that gap? Mm -hmm. Teaching them my principles. Mm So I created a digital version of my consulting practice mm-hmm. as a way that's a lower cost, right? Mm-hmm. It's not an online course. It's a little different, but mm-hmm. it's essentially that next level where okay. somebody has 
a heck of an experience going mm-hmm. through it. It's really intuitive, mm-hmm. tons of interaction. Mm-hmm. But that bridges that gap that gives them more. And so right. new product development, for example, mm-hmm. with a brand new service creation mm-hmm. comes from filling the gap after you've done a really good job mm-hmm. serving this audience over here. You mm-hmm. start with that small group. Then, Deb, as you begin to recognize more, there's demand, mm-hmm. then you expand out and then you right. start to get, oh, well, Kate, can you help me with this at mm-hmm. this price point? Well, I can't, but gosh, maybe I should figure out a way to help them with something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Hey, perfect. I love it. Well, let's talk about the biggie. What is the brand trifecta? Because that's what all of this is based on. Yes. Okay. So I call this the brand trifecta. This is the method that I came up with. Remember that beginning story where I talked about the three Mm -hmm. things that I Mm -hmm. said in that phone call? Okay. And it was such a happy accident, right? Where, uh, as Bob Ross says, happy accident. Happy accident. Um, and it was really just the three messaging components that in are delivered in a particular order. Now I love mm-hmm. formulas. Mm-hmm. I love A plus B plus C equals outcome. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's give the me linguist that. part of you. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what it is too is I just like guaranteed results. <laughs> right. I love you. And, know, I love numbers. Yeah. And when you follow a formula, it's like a recipe, right? You know, exactly. you can add a little bit more here and a little bit more there, but you still pretty much have to do this, 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 this. Yeah. I. The idea of me having to reinvent the wheel every time makes me want to cry, right? So I'm like, if you and just that's tell where me companies have problems is they try and reinvent the wheel every single every time. time. You know, it's like when you come up, have you ever like gone into the room and you're supposed to give your pitch and you do mm-hmm. it like 75 different ways over mm-hmm. time? I'm like, no, have mm-hmm. the one pitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the brand trifecta is what I've spent about 10 years teaching companies. And it's really just three key messaging components that you have to have. In that first 30 seconds mm-hmm. of your message. Okay. So what we're talking about here, by the way, is what do you lead with in a conversation? Mm-hmm. What is front and center on the homepage of your website? Okay. What is in your ad copy, social media pages, etc.? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not talking about replacing your blogs and your amazing features and benefits and mm-hmm. charts. Remember, we're talking about that stuff comes later right. after mm-hmm. you deliver what this brand trifecta, because the brand trifecta will get them to that point where they want to see all that mm-hmm. other stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the three pieces are number one, a tagline. Okay. That really addresses the question, what do you do? Mm-hmm. The second piece is a value proposition statement that gets at the heart of here's the truth I know you're facing, and here's how you can solve that problem. Mm-hmm. That's the Oh my gosh, you get me moment. Mm-hmm. And then the third and final piece that's really important that most companies miss are what we call differentiator statements. Right. The one, two, three ways. What maybe makes four. me special? The, the big bullets, sometimes mm-hmm. called the three uniques. Some people mm-hmm. use that language, but it's really the front and center. Apples to apples comparison between mm-hmm. you and the competition. Mm-hmm. How are you different and better? Right. And if so you're not, the there's a yes. big problem, folks. Yep. So, and by the way, we're talking for differentiators. It's more of a macro level for a company. Mm -hmm. So a lot of tech companies may say, Kate, well, actually I sold for like 35 things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Okay. So your features and benefits, yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about organizationally, right? you know, how are you different, better than the competition? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then you can get into, and then this button does this Mm -hmm. and this solves this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the brand trifecta. And it's really built on a, on buyer psychology that Mm -hmm. say, okay, when we deliver that content in that order, Mm -hmm. it's naturally bringing somebody to the point of conversion where they go, okay, Mm -hmm. now I get Mm -hmm. it. Now tell me how it works, what it looks like, what Mm -hmm. are the pricing details, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Well, and each step really, as you said, is designed to get them to say, really, that's interesting. Tell me more. How do you do that? You know, and when you don't get those responses, it's like, okay, 
we're going to move on now, you know, or, or maybe you tweak it a little bit, but again, we're not talking, well, you didn't like that. So I'm going to go here, you know, no, 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 (laughs) you you have to stay true and authentic to yourself. Yes. And you know, what's interesting is um, it requires a lot of confidence for us. I feel Mm -hmm. as business owners stand in that truth, because I'll tell you what, culturally, especially where I live, we're taught, well, you're never supposed to brag about yourself. Oh, yes. And especially women. Let's be honest oh, about that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh-huh. Because then we get that other B word. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I remember I was teaching <laughs> I was teaching a workshop and I was in, a, I think it was in Detroit. And I told him my tagline and I said, now raise your hand if you thought that was pretentious. Like every hand went up in the room, Deb, mm-hmm. okay? And I was like, as a woman, definitely keep your hand up if you thought that was really cocky of me. Mm-hmm. And they're all up. And I said, all right, let's talk about this. Let's unpack mm-hmm. this for a second. Because I just want to call out the big elephant for, for mm-hmm. here. My tagline is building brands that win more work. Now, see, that doesn't now, sound pretentious to me at all. Now, but that maybe that's be because I know more about tagline, you. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, that was also based on more than 10 years of working in the industry and mm-hmm. helping hundreds of companies right. and seeing the proof of my mm-hmm. pro- process and methodology that I could back mm-hmm. it up. There's a big difference between between being pretentious mm-hmm. and being provocative. Right. And mm-hmm. I think what we have to remember with every piece of our brand message is that we're walking that line. Mm-hmm. If you can't come out and just say, well, I do branding. Right. Because people are like, yeah. Okay. okay, great. Okay, well, cool. Next Good conversation next, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so it's getting at the fact that that tagline example, right? Mm-hmm. Building brands that win more work. When I deal with my target audience, which is a founder led company who mm-hmm. wants to win in the marketplace, they see that and they're like, like I like you. Right. I mean, who's going to say, oh, we don't want to win more work. <laughs> you see how I turned that slightly mm-hmm. to still speak to them, right? Mm-hmm. I understood the psychology of my buyer, what they cared about, why they were even mm-hmm. looking at their messaging and their brand. Mm-hmm. They're like, I have got to move the needle, Kate, or I'm not going to get right. the revenue that I need mm-hmm. and I'm going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. The psychology of my buyer was about winning in the marketplace, beating mm-hmm. the competition, revenue and growth, right? Mm-hmm. So if I knew that and I understood that over hundreds of conversations and I could then prove with my formula that I've helped people do mm-hmm. that, I can't come out and just say I do branding. Right. Because it's just, it's, it's so vague, you know, and, and, but, but yeah, because that somebody might say, well, tell me more, but that's going to be more of a polite, tell me more than, oh my gosh, tell me more. I had a, I remember about a year and a half ago, I had a guy call me up out of nowhere. He heard me on a podcast and he's like, I heard your tagline that you delivered. And then I went to your website and I saw it and he called me and said, I want to work with you because I want a tagline like yours. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard that. I was actually really humbled by it, to be mm-hmm. very frank with you, because I was like, what? Right. And he goes, yeah, but if you can write that for yourself and you can give me that, mm-hmm. I'll work with you. Right. And I right. think that's the power of brand. I've hired companies like that to mm-hmm. help me with other services mm-hmm. because of their messaging. I was like, oh, you know exactly mm-hmm. what you're doing. Okay. Right. right. You know, and again, it's short, it's sweet. It's not a story, you know, because it's, and it's just boom, 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 boom. I mean, you know, and, 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 you know, it, People really do know immediately, yes or no, tell me more. It's, the end of the, it's, the, it's really what it's mm-hmm. about. The goal here is whether it's your tagline that leads into following up with this amazing value proposition mm-hmm. statement that then opens the door to tell people how you're different and better. Mm-hmm. These three pieces of the brand trifecta are creating a conversation. Even if they read it on your website, they're just going down. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I want to know a bit more. Mm-hmm. All of this brings people to the conversion moment. 
mm-hmm. truly, where then they're like, now I understand. Now yeah. I'm ready. Now mm-hmm. tell me pricing details. Now I'll watch your right. video. Now I'll go check out your about page to look at the founder's story. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, let me look at testimony. So again, if we think about order of operations of what we're delivering, if we just come right in with mm-hmm. features, they're like, I don't understand the context of mm-hmm. that. Right. You lead right in with just pricing and you haven't given them the upfront mm-hmm. trifecta, they're not going to get it. They're not going to care. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to remember that we need to bring somebody to that point of readiness in that first 30 seconds. And mm-hmm. that's where the brand trifecta holds weight. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, here's one of the things that I loved about your book is you know, you've got your brand trifecta. You've got it here, you know, and you you have a mission statement, a vision statement, all those things that are up on the wall, you know, and, and all of those yeah. other things. But you've got your brand trifecta. And then people are like, but we have all these different divisions and all these different products. And so tell us about then what, you know, okay. is it the same brand trifecta, which I know it is not. So, you know, tell us more. It's not, ma'am. You've read the book. Okay. So this is so interesting. And we call this a layered brand architecture. So Mm -hmm. this is very important. And it's something that I'm addressing even with my new product that's coming out, right? So basically some companies, let's say you have a few target audiences, Deb, and you're like, yeah, all of them, you know, whether it's a small company or a Mm -hmm. mid-sized company or an independent solo operator, um, gosh, I solved the same darn problem with them with my services. Mm -hmm. Great. You probably only need a single brand trifecta. Right. That just speaks to Mm -hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. But in a situation where you've got different sectors that maybe right. have very different problems solved, mm-hmm. or this is super common. Gosh, Kate, I th- I serve a CFO, a CMO, and a mm-hmm. CEO, and holy moly, they all care about different stuff. Right. They speak okay. different languages. Mm-hmm. All right. You need supporting brand trifecta for right. each of those groups. Mm-hmm. So this is where supporting like one-liners, like a tagline, mm-hmm. and value prop and differentiators speak to the pain that you're solving for that group. Right. So it's really saying you have a top-level organizational mm-hmm. one. And then that's like homepage. Mm-hmm. And then imagine on your website, right? I talk about website mm-hmm. all the time, clicking into the sectors or the next layer down. Mm-hmm. And each of those pages leads to that specific brand mm-hmm. trifecta message right. for that buyer. Mm-hmm. This gives a beautiful uh, structure so that they all have the same tone of voice. Mm-hmm. They also kind of have a similarity in terms of language right. and, mm-hmm. and that. But you're getting to that next layer of detail of like, okay, I love the overarching concept, Kate, but what's really in it for me is the right. market. We're in industry X. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Application and usage, right? Mm-hmm. That's the next layer down is you can take this model of brand effect and actually go a few layers down, believe it mm-hmm. or not, and, and do that in such a way that you're appropriately addressing all of your potential buyers mm-hmm. across like an enterprise company who's actually speaking. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and, and I love that there is still that overarching one. Because yes. that's where we see companies get into trouble is when they might have a great initial brand. Yeah. But then, as you said, you go down either into, you know, usually now if if there's different companies, that's very different. Mm-hmm. But if it's, you know, the same company serving, say, different industries, different people, things like that. And then you're all of a sudden hodgepodge all over everywhere. It comes back to the now, wait a minute. There's yeah. not consistency. Oh, that's right. You know, and, and so, and, and some of that is, you know, some of the simple things like, you know, your brand, you know, your branding, you know, so your logo, your colors, all of those things, you know, if you have, you know, these pretty blues and pretty blues, and then all of a sudden you've got green. Yes. Okay. Explain the green, you know, maybe green might make sense. Maybe you have a say green division, right? But you know, and, and so, but yeah, it, it is, you develop that initial and then it goes from there. I mean, you show it in your book very nicely as a big flow chart. To me, I think yeah. of it as like a, a, an upside down tree. You it know, you've kind got of your, is. your yes, root yes, system. Yes, yes. 
And then all the branches come down from that, but it cannot function without that, that sturdy root system. That's right. You may use that in your stuff. Thank you very much. I will use that. (laughs) And it's, um, I love that. And, and, you know, it's, it is true. Everything starts at the top, right. Mm -hmm. Of the organization. And then you can branch out and use the same model Mm -hmm. to develop more, you know, subtle layers of Mm -hmm. messaging as you go down. Right. Again, that is most common with a mid-sized to enterprise level company that maybe they just have such a level of complexity with mm-hmm. their buyers. But I've had startups that sell technology products. And again, they have the same situation mm-hmm. because they're like, in order for me to get a sale, Kate, I have to be able to speak to the application for these right. three roles in an mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. So we do the same method. Mm-hmm. And it works really, really works so that they've got buy-in mm-hmm. across leadership. Right. Yeah. And, and just think of it, you know, you, you say you've got your IT product. Yes. The the IT people need to know how it works. The Mm -hmm. CMO needs to know something totally different. The CFO really needs to know something. They don't care how it works. How much does it cost? How much money is it going to make us? That's right. That's right. And so just being okay with that, Mm -hmm. being okay with that is so important and recognizing that again, you have the opportunity to deliver the right messaging at the right time mm-hmm. with this method. Right. And what's fascinating too is when you look at a brand trifecta on a website, there's no paragraphs of copy, mm-hmm. there's no long, complex stories. Mm-hmm. Do you need it? Right. Probably not. Right. In fact, if you really think about it, most buyers don't want a big, complex story. No. They want to know what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. You want to know how they're involved, mm-hmm. but you can still get to that through a much simpler, mm-hmm. more appropriate way of layering your messaging. Right. right. You know, and, and I think simple is is one of the keys because we, you know, we're very busy. And the oh, yeah. second you have to spend a lot of time reading, research, no, you know, because you again, lost me. You know, yep. there are competitors. Now you might have differentiated yourself to be way up here yes, and they're down sure. here. But if I can't figure out what the heck it is that you're doing, then I am going to go to your competitors. That's right. That's right. Exactly right, Deb. Yep. Well, you know, it was funny. We were talking before the program uh, and we you know, referred to it just a little bit in here about a brand that has blown itself up. Yes. Um, you know, and, and it, it is, you know, good old Elon and, and Twitter. And it's been so fascinating. I mean, you know, maybe my, I don't know if that's the right word to, to look at what's been happening just in this last week with, you know, we're not going to be Twitter. We're going to be X. You're no longer tweeting. You're Xing, you know, and, and it's funny. I saw Very several weird. people that said, this sounds really pornographic. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this, and, and that could, you know, that really could be one of the, the drawbacks to this, but it's, it's been so interesting. And so talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, and, and then I'm going to read some X's. I'm going to still there you go. Tweets. Is it a tweet? Yeah, I know from the, the their C, their new CEO who bless her little heart. I mean, you talk about somebody who is paddling upstream without even any paddles. Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm going to read some of some of the things that she has posted because it's very interesting, their thought process. But talk to us about what the heck is going on at X. I, I'll tell you what, I mean, a lot of this is new in the last number of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So it's still very fresh. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of analysis and data points about users and everything else and advertising and, you know, the the financial impacts on the platform. Mm-hmm. But I remember when Twitter started to really become a, a fantastic platform back in what I call the glory days of marketing. Mm-hmm. We're talking 2010, 2011, 2012, when all mm-hmm. of a sudden it was like, eh, don't, you know, 
yeah, for sure. 2011, 2012, when it was just like, oh my God, it was fun. It was, it was, it was lightning fast. Mm-hmm. It was engaging. It was just, right. this, we oh got my God. News there that we couldn't get anywhere else. It was conversational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been a transition to a lot of people being wary of being on Twitter because mm-hmm. of uh, how political it's gotten. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The whether you take a stance or not take a stance with mm-hmm. on a variety of things. I mean, oh COVID, my gosh. Was, COVID was obviously one of the biggest things that caused a lot of issues on on Twitter. Absolutely. And so I would say that my biggest my biggest caution in, in when we see a pattern like what's happened with with Twitter is reinvention is not always good. Right. I think what we have reinvention to, to reinvent is not what you should be doing. There's a reinvention situation going mm-hmm. on here that I go, did your users want that? Mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. they want to be? Yeah, using I mean, that's the thing. Did Did your users want change? I don't think so. I think they probably wanted leadership change mm-hmm. or political change yes. in the way that the platform was done. Mm-hmm. But did they mm-hmm. need a new name and a new brand? Not right. necessarily. Right. I think you cannot mask company issues with a rebrand. Mm-hmm. And I can't stand when I see this because 99.9% of the time, most of us never need a rebrand. We right. need to adjust our messaging. Right. That's mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. It's like a quarter turn mm-hmm. of the message. In this situation with X and you know, um, formerly Twitter, I really think that they have shot themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to see a huge decline mm-hmm. in usership over the fact that essentially with a rebrand such as that, they have decided that they are no longer what they were. Right. And in that scenario, mm-hmm. you run a perilous risk of turning off everybody that has actually helped right. build your organization. Well, and especially when there are other options. I mean, you know, we were at threads, you know, I'm not there yet, but who knows? Um, but yeah, so here's, here's a couple of posts. We're just going to call yeah. them posts from Linda Yaccarino, I think is how you say your name. So she is the, the CEO and she said, it's an exceptionally rare thing in life or in business that you get a second chance to make another big impression. Twitter made one massive impression and changed the way we communicate. Now X will go further transforming the global town square. And then her next one says, for years, fans and critics alike have pushed Twitter to dream bigger, to innovate faster, and to fulfill our great potential. X will do that and more. We've already started to see X take shape over the past eight months through our rapid feature launches, but we're just getting started. And then um, she says, you know, there's absolutely no limit to this transformation. X will be the platform that can deliver, well, everything. Elon Musk and I are looking forward to working with our teams and every single one of our partners to bring X to the world. So, I mean, my first thought when I read all this, first of all, the name is just stupid. You know, I don't know if it's a placeholder. To me, it seems like it's a placeholder, right? You do that when we're writing, you know, you put an X, you know, because you're going to go back in and fill something in, which that may be what they're doing. To me, that's really stupid because then people are going to have to shift their minds again. But it was so important where she says there's no limit. It will be the platform that can deliver everything. That goes back to what we were saying before. You cannot be everything to everyone. Correct. Correct. And this is where I think the downfall is. I think that um, the other thing that I find very odd, and we know this because Elon Musk, 
named one of his children like I don't even know what. I, yeah, I mean, okay. kid, he's never going to be able to go to kindergarten because his name won't fit on the even, phone. I'll mm-hmm. say this: Elon Musk is a brilliant person. Oh, he so is. He is probably what he has done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he you is, think he about his successes, mm-hmm. I'm just going to state that I have mm-hmm. no beef with Elon. Mm-hmm. I think the brand decision mm-hmm. <laughs> with Twitter right. was not necessarily mm-hmm. the smartest one. I'll just say mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have friends that are avid Twitter users. Mm-hmm. They don't care much about this transition. Some people are over, like they're freaking out about right. it. Listen, just from my brand perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that when you move to a brand that is actually from a language standpoint, I find mm-hmm. it so fascinating moving to just a symbol. Mm-hmm. It's um, Prince found out that didn't work. I was going to say that actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prince found out that didn't work. And I think what's really important is that while there's a beauty and simplicity that I think Elon's going for, right. and mm-hmm. there's a lot of symbolism there, mm-hmm. language is still language mm-hmm. and people need to be able to glob onto something that makes logical mm-hmm. sense. And so mm-hmm. when you just use something like an X, think about how much confusion or mm-hmm. um, just vagueness that can right. create for the mm-hmm. marketplace, there's no clear understanding of what it is. Mm-hmm. And right. while I can understand based on um, Yaccarino's quotes that that gives room to be everything mm-hmm. for everybody, what are you building? Right. Are you building a mm-hmm. machine? Are you building the empire? Mm-hmm. Are you building a marketing mm-hmm. platform? Are you building? We don't know. We right. have a lot to let unfold in front mm-hmm. of us to see what they're actually planning right. to do. But I just yeah. think from a branding standpoint, Deb, wasn't smart. Oh, yeah. You know, and and I mean, it's it's interesting to, to watch. But I mean, you look at other brands. I mean, I live in Atlanta. So two of the biggest brands in the world are here, Coca-Cola and Home Depot, right? Two of the biggest brands out there. Just think if they all of us, now Coke tried it, right? They had new Coke yep. and it tasted horrible. And, and you know, and, and they very quickly went, oh, this is not going to work. I mean, yep. you know, they backtracked really fast and went back to classic Coke. And now I don't even, I don't think new Coke, you know, whatever that formula was, it's probably become something else. Yeah. But, you know, they figured out very, no, you know, people, people liked classic Coke. You know, if Home Depot all of a sudden said, hey, we're going to start having restaurants. Again, people go, no, that doesn't make sense. You know, now, could they launch a totally separate company? Sure. You know, and, and that's what we see all the time. But when you take an existing brand and drastically change it, you'd better have a really good reason. And I don't think Twitter does. Um, you know, I, I saw another article today, and I don't remember if it was Forbes. It was one of the big publications that said, the big thing is Elon just doesn't understand social. Hmm. And and I think that's very true. I mean, you know, he he doesn't understand that, like you said, he doesn't understand why people are there. People were there to communicate quick, fast. Now, we did like it when we got to do longer tweets, right? You know, because I'm like, I can't yeah. do 140 characters. That's just never going to work for me. So when I got to do longer tweets, I kind of like that. But, but yeah, I mean, you were there to have these quick fast little conversations, get information and then go merrily along on your way. Um, you know, I remember like being at, at baseball games, you know, 10 years ago and, yeah. and tweeting, Hey, you know, is there a storm coming? And, you know, people, you know, things like that. I mean, you, you did that just to get information very quickly, but yeah, this being everything to everyone. No, I mean, they just, they can't because for one thing, you've got so many people who just aren't on Twitter. So what are you going to do yes. with them? Um, you know, and and so it's it's very interesting. And and you know, we do we've we've seen we've seen companies that have tried to reinvent themselves for whatever reason, 
And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, we another one of the big ones here is we had SunTrust Bank, which is now Truist. Mm. It's very confusing. People still call it SunTrust. Now they have, but what they did was it went over a period of time. Yes. You know, and, and so it was, you know, SunTrust and then you, you have Truist on it. And then it was Truist, formerly known as. And, and so they got people used to it. But the important thing was they basically just had a name change. That's a they different situation yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. than what's going on with yeah. Twitter. Yeah. There's, you know, changing your name yeah. is very different than changing what you do fundamentally, which I think is what X is doing. Um, and, they've, and, stated, they've stated very clearly mm-hmm. that this is going to be bigger and for mm-hmm. everything and for all right. the things, which mm-hmm. actually signals that they're reinventing mm-hmm. what the organization right. is about. Yeah. So, again, when you have that situation... Clear and simple. Sometimes new brand offshoots are a better mm-hmm. way to go. Right. I've seen companies fold and then just relaunch. Mm-hmm. That's right. a better way to go. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes fine to do that. Mm-hmm. I think Especially if there were issues. <laughs> I think this is just a good lesson for all of us to remember mm-hmm. that our brand is really the promise we put into the world. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, it needs to be authentic. It needs to be right. really about who we are mm-hmm. and who we're really trying to help and serve mm-hmm. in the world. Right. That's at the end of the day what we're all here to do, right? We certainly want to grow. We want to make money. But we hope to goodness that we're doing that Mm -hmm. as we help others and add value, Mm -hmm. right? And so we have to just stay true to that. It's not about Mm -hmm. what's cool. It's not about what's hip. It's about Mm -hmm. what's really authentically who we are. Mm -hmm. Right. I love it. I love it. You know, and, and like we said, it'll be interesting to watch. So we'll definitely have to have you on again uh, to see that. how this, this folds down. But tell us, okay, so we talked about your book. So and, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. But again, Thank it's you. muting the megaphone. There you go. <laughs> Stop telling stories and start having conversations. And yeah. you know, it's short. It's I think it's 132 pages. I mean, it's, yes. it's very easy, yes. quick read, lots of great exercises. If even if you think your brand is absolutely fantastic, folks, go through it and make sure that there's not things that you should be tweaking and, and working on. But tell people how they find you and what are the services that you provide. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, if you are following Deb and you're on LinkedIn, come find me on LinkedIn, please. I would love it to connect with listeners. And I do all the time, by the way, and it's fun and I get questions. And mm-hmm. So please, please, please follow or connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to have you do that. Um the other thing is you can certainly find me on my website, mm-hmm. casedeleo.com. That'll be in the show notes. And a lot of information out there about my branding approach. Now, I am a consultant. I work with companies one-on-one. But Deb, what is exciting is coming up at the end of September 2023, I am launching my own technology-backed version of my consulting program. Cool. It's called The Brand Trifecta. And it'll be at brandtrifecta.com. So keep an eye out for that. This Very is all cool. because that is another really cost-efficient way of really going through the process, the method that I've helped hundreds of companies, mm-hmm. thousands of companies go through, but do it in a way that's still interactive. It's extremely built in, has built-in accountability. I'm there and I'm teaching you, but it's a great way to do that with your team if a book maybe just isn't quite enough. You need a right. bit more help. You need just a bit more, but maybe you're like, well, we don't need you in the room, Kate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no problem. Right. This is right. a great way to do it. Perfect. So I those love are really it. the ways to do that. Find me mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. Go ahead. You can look at me up on Instagram as well. And um, would love to hear from folks. Cool, cool. And you do consulting. So you, yes. we've mentioned it several times. Yeah. You can go in virtually or in person and, and help people out yes, with their brands. Right. Yeah. So very cool. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. And all that information is on katedelio.com. Yes, so that's right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, this has been absolutely so much fun. Like I said at the yeah. very start, talking about brand is 
is to me, it's just so much fun because, you know, we, it, it is, it is, at the core of what we do. And I think that's the problem is so many people tack it on at the end and then it doesn't match, you know, so make sure folks that it is at the start. So Kate, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Yeah. I want you to remember that your brand is that promise that you put into the world. And the best thing that you can do with your brand is to get to the point in 30 seconds or less by telling your prospects and customers, this is what we do. This is how we solve your problem. And this is how we're different and better than the rest. And I think if you can do that by using that brand perfect model, you're going to cut through the noise. You're going to eliminate complex and ineffective storytelling. And you're going to build a brand conversation that converts. Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, I have been having so much fun talking yes, with this has been great. I know, isn't this been great? Even when you're talking with poor Squeaky here. <laughs> um, I told somebody, I said, I feel like I'm a, a rabid chipmunk. Um, yeah. So I've been talking with Kate DeLeo, author of Muting the Megaphone and creator of The Brand Trifecta. I am Deb Creer. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.